and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. I am your host, Katerina Burenova. Each week, we dive into a blend of topics that resonate with the soul. Whether you're an architect enthusiast, have a passion for wanderlust, want to discover holistic approaches to rejuvenate your body and mind, or are intrigued to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, you've come to the right place. Join me as I sit down with inspiring, like-minded women from various walks of life. We will delve into their journeys to discuss the challenges and moments that define their paths. So sit back, relax, and let the spark of positive energy ignite your curiosity. Welcome to the fourth and final episode of the Women in Architecture series. Today, I am joined by award-winning architect Gloria Clotter. She is the founder of Glow Architects and the best-selling author of the book, The Architecture of Motherhood. Gloria is dedicated to empowering a new generation of female architects to fearlessly embrace the journey into motherhood and entrepreneurship. Gloria, welcome to From the Honeycomb podcast. Thank you, Katrina. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very good. I'm very excited to have you on today and for you to be part of the Women in Architecture series and close out the series because your journey and your perspective and after reading your book, I am just so excited to hear from you and your perspective on what it's like being a mother and an architect. Thank you. And thank you for reading the book. Yeah, of course. I got it here with my notes and and highlighted in sticky notes. So it was a really good, great book to read. So as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? Tell you before, this was an easy question for me. <laughs> I think the thing that I am most grateful for are my kids. I there's so many things I've done throughout my life and my career path that have been really rewarding that I can talk about for days, but nothing has been more rewarding than uh, raising my kids. I think this motherhood journey has been just so it's so fulfilling, it's motivating, it's just empowering, and it's hard. <laughs> But I just love my kids so much. So I'm just so thankful for them and their health, especially. Mm, no, and they are the cutest. You share them, I know, on Instagram. And no, every so, parent thinks their kids are the cutest, but I'm just like, my kids are so cute. They are very cute. Very, very cute. So Gloria, I know I've read your book and I've now know your story, but share with the listeners your architecture journey and what's brought you to where you are today. Okay, so a quick summary is I am originally from the Dominican Republic. I came to the United States in 2015 because I married my husband and he was a Marine and we decided to live here. And But before I came, I practiced in the Dominican Republic since 2004 I actually started working for an architecture firm when I was still in architecture school because I needed to pay for my college back there. It's not so easy back in the Dominican Republic to get like a loan, like here that people go to school and get a loan. And that's kind of, you kind of figure out if you get a loan, you kind of have to go to a bank, even for a mortgage, just to give an example. It just doesn't work the same way as here. So it wasn't as easy or accessible for me. So I have to work. And I think at the same time, being really hard, it also made me just get a lot of experience, real life experience back in the DR. And by the time I graduated and finished school, I already had so much experience from working in this company because it was a merge. It had a department of engineers that worked with us and I was able to just, you know, even when I was 
having exams and I didn't understand something, I could just go to an engineer and say, hey, I don't understand this. Like, where is this coming from? I, I remember learning a lot about like plumbing and electricity and all that kind of stuff that sometimes we don't get so much exposure, you know? So when I finished college, I was ready to kind of run. And I got an opportunity back there to do a project on the side. And my boss, who was awesome with me and the rest of the team, I tried to bring that project to the company. And uh, he said, like, that's not what we do here. Da, da, da. If you want to do it on the side, which was really amazing that he allowed me to take on a project on the side. But it really opened a lot of opportunities because then I did that project. That project brought other projects. And I, I had my little company running on the side of my, you know, everyday job. And then at some point I quit and I just had my business and I was still doing like as a consultant for another company but it was kind of like a you know part-time scene that I will offer whenever they needed me so it wasn't like a full-time job either so anyhow I ended up coming here thinking you know I'm just gonna bring my business and just practice architecture and then I couldn't do it because the obvious reasons my license was not valid in the United States and I had to, you know, take a job, which wasn't the worst to do. I'm actually very thankful that the system here forced me to do that because even so I came thinking, I know everything, you know, I'm an architect and I've been architect for so long. Like there was so much that I just didn't know. Things are so different. The buildings are built and designed different on how we do it normally in the DR. And I had just so much to learn, especially about the building codes here in my area and just so much about liability and how to run my business here, how things work. Just It's just different and it can be really overwhelming. So, so far, here I am. I got my license in 2019 in Florida and Georgia, and I've been practicing since on my own, better said, since 2020 because I quit my job after having my first daughter. And I started Glow Architects, which is where I am right now. Yes. And 2020 was a year, quite a year for everybody. But for you, you experienced the birth of your daughter and going off on your own, which is a lot. And I admire you for being able to take the chance and know what's best for you and for your family. Like I know in your book, you kind of mentioned, well, could I go back to work and being in the corporate job? But then instead shifting to having your own company so you can be with your family. And there's one quote that I, I want to read out because there's, you know, going off on your own and starting your own company comes with a lot of fear. And you say, fear can control us if we let it. And fear of failure is far worse than fear itself. And I think that is so true and so powerful, especially going off on your own with a newborn. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing that a lot of people don't realize is that sometimes we are the ones who limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have so much, um, so much fear to fail. And I think, I think one of the things that I've learned in this process is vulnerability sometimes makes us stronger because we get to open to other people and ask for help and depend on others. And really, if there's one thing I've learned about being a business owner and about being a mom is being an architect. I talk about that in my book is we, we can't, we're not solo. <laughs> we don't do anything solo, even if we're like a solo architect type of company. Yeah. It's not true. And I think that's the main thing that when that click in your head, it's like, it's okay. You're going to have to 
depend on other people for certain things and that's okay you know like you don't have to know it all you don't have to do everything on your own like you have to delegate and and kind Mm -hmm. of let others chime in I think that was the main thing for me I just had so much fear of what if like I try to do this and I don't know how to design that or I, I get this project where I don't have the experience with this type of materials and it's like let me tell you it's something I see almost every day now like there's always something new there's a new technology there's a material I haven't touched before and I have to do research and talk to the reps and say, how does this work? You know, like there's always something you're learning. And obviously there's a lot of things you know, but there's a lot of things you don't and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. No, it is. That's one of the things I like about architecture is you're constantly learning. Never are you doing the same thing every day. Like you just said, there's new materials. Every day is different. And I think that's what makes architecture so fun and unique. And I think motherhood, I'm sure. I'm not a mother myself, but I'm sure motherhood every day is unique and you probably learn something new. There's always something. Yeah, there's always something. And they they just every day come with like this new scene and you're like, what do you ever hear that? Like, how do you know this? Yeah, it's it has been so much fun. Yeah. No. And so what was it like to do the transition? Like take us to that moment when you fully said, okay, I'm going off on my own. I know you have an incredibly supportive husband and in-laws and that support network. What was that feeling like when you're like, okay, I'm going to go off on my own and having a newborn? It was kind of, oh my gosh, it was daunting and it was scary. But I think the best that from everything I did at that moment, best that I did was that I took a little bit of time to transition. It wasn't like I quick and I immediately opened the business. I took a little bit of time, a couple of weeks to sit and think of what I really wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. Like I knew when I made the decision of quitting my job that I was going to go with Glow Architects. But even the name was a process to get, you know, like, and I, I felt that I didn't want to spend a whole year planning and not doing anything, but a couple of weeks was good. Like I was able to work on the website, for example, and I did it myself because I didn't have the capital. I didn't have the money to pay somebody who was an expert on websites to do it for me. And it came out really good. Like a lot of people go to my website and say, oh, it looks really good. And it's like, yeah, I did it myself because I just didn't have the money for it. And then it has stayed like that for a while. I here and there updated, updated information, but I don't, I don't go too crazy because like our businesses come a lot from actually Google and a lot of words of mouth. So it's, you know, it is what it is. But my point is I took the time to think of the name I wanted. What was my, you know, mission and statement and uh, kind of working on my, on my goals of how, what type of architecture I wanted to do, what type of clients I wanted to work with, the projects, the areas that I wanted to touch base. Like there's just a lot of things you need to think before you start. I feel, I don't think everybody has the same options that I did, I guess. I think some people might need to start a a company and then just run with it. And I guess you just kind of have to figure out it's like throwing in the fire and just learning to swim when they just throw it in the water too. Like you just kind of have to do what you have to. That wasn't really my case in a way because I got a couple of weeks to plan and and really analyze. I remember taking a class online about social media presence and that type of things because I felt like maybe this is going to be something that is going to help my business. And as I was taking that for the social media presence, I really learned a lot more about 
my business itself, like the essence of my business and what, you know, what I kind of needed to focus on. And I think it was really helpful. So I think that what I felt at the moment to go back to your question is I did feel a lot of fear still because, you know, it's this unknown and I was taking a big risk because I was going from having all the benefits of having a full-time job, the security, the salary was good, the benefits, health insurance, all this other stuff, you know, 401k, blah, blah, blah. And then starting a business venture when just trying to figure out how to be a mom at the same time. It was hard. It was a lot of work. And especially when everything started and I got the first official project, and it got real that I needed to start finding ways to work and perform for this side of my life and then still having a baby at home that I needed to take care of. And with the pandemic, which was a huge factor on how things work for me and how I was forced to do things differently because the normal thing to do, I think, for someone who will have been in my position in a normal situation with no pandemic was Either I will have just stayed with that job, but let's say for some reason I was mad and I just wanted to quit and I wanted to start my business and had nothing to do with what really happened, right? I probably will have put Nova, my daughter, in a daycare right away. It's kind of like what most of moms have to do if they are working moms, because you can't be just working from home and having the baby and try to do everything 100% right. You know what I'm saying? Like you need Mm -hmm. time to focus to work and you need time to be with your baby. So it was really hard for me because I didn't have that option. I didn't have that option because everything was closed. And like when things start opening was by the time, like we were just running with this business. You said you don't have kids, but one of the things you might be aware of or not is when you're trying to kind of like register a kid in a daycare or a school, If your area is very busy, most of the time you have to get into a waiting list. And just imagine (laughs) how things were in the middle of a pandemic when everybody, nobody wanted to see anybody. Nobody wanted to be around anybody and things were just closed. So that was my reality. I just have to figure out and find ways to work between naps whenever I needed to do stuff and she was awake, like finding ways to just kind of work next to her while she was playing and creating spaces where she was safe to play it and I could be next to her and still work. And it wasn't easy. And I'm not saying that is the option for everybody. I'm just saying it is possible to do. And if, if it's a situation of somebody find like another mother find herself in, then, you know, it's possible to do. And it's one of the things I always told myself, and I don't even know if I, I don't think I even mentioned that in the book is, You know, you just have to remember that those first months that are so hard, it's a temporary situation. Mm -hmm. They're not that little forever and they're not so dependable on you forever. And it's like, you just kind of have to figure out for this little time, because after that, they grow and it's like, Nova right now is just going, like this morning she was going to school and she's like, bye mom, see you later. (laughs) And I'm like, who are you? Like, you're three years old, what's going on? So yeah, it's just, it's a temporary scene. And so, yeah, for me it was scary, but I feel, I feel that just the fact that I didn't have any other option, mm-hmm. that's the other thing too. It's like when you don't have other options, you just kind of have to get through it. Mm-hmm. And I think 
we as women and as architects and as moms, like if there's one thing is this instinct of just figuring things out. There's something that comes from the bottom of ourselves and just flourish when all these things get combined. And I think we're pretty resilient in general. Women are resilient. Moms are resilient. You know, architects are resilient. Just imagine you're the three of them. It's like a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> It's a triple threat, right? I mean, yeah. it's you've got it all. That that's so true. I'm just so interested in listening to you and, and hearing your perspective. And I'd love to know the difference now that you have two children too. How was that shift? Because in my mind, I see you as having almost like three children now because you have Nova, Neo, and your glow, your company. Mm-hmm. So, but how was it? it? <laughs> how is it? It's a uh... Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's get let's get into the dirty work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, is one of the things that I talk in my book on the chapter of, of organizing chaos was when I was struggling of getting pregnant with Neil and the pregnancy losses and how I said yes to too many things because you know I was just starting and eager with the business and how much it, it affected me because I was overstressed and overworked at some point. And I think I got to realize about it and I took care of it. And then I wrote about it and I advised other people, you know, this is something that happened to me. Don't make the same mistake because da, 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 da. And then I got pregnant with Neil. And then we were living in this house. It was a two bedroom, two bath. We needed a bigger space and we decided to buy a second house. We needed more money. And I was offered when I was, <laughs> Neil was due December 20, just so mm-hmm. you know. And I was planning a natural birth with him because you read what happened in the book of my mm-hmm. first experience with Nova and how the COVID situation in the hospital worked for me was pretty traumatic. And I was determined on having a natural birth. I wanted to have a vaginal birth. I wanted to have no interventions, no medicine, no nothing. I'm doing all this stuff to get that birth that I dream of. Then we needed more money. We needed to move to a new home. And I got the opportunity of this one church. It was a new church. It was really big. It was. It is one of the biggest projects I've got with GLOW. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh my gosh, <laughs> we started beginning of December. Wow. And... <laughs> And Neil was the end of the month. Oh my gosh. And I'm clarifying this part of the story just so you understand that when you said I had three kids, I had three kids because I was suddenly with one of the biggest projects. It was a commercial project, it wasn't residential, it was really big. And it's a type of project that I didn't have experience with before because I work in commercial and residential. I worked with healthcare type of uh, projects in my previous job. I did a lot of retail when I was back in the DR. And here too, I did some retail. And, but I didn't work with religious buildings. So this was new. And the thought of me saying yes was because I'm like, I need this money and I need this project. And I know I'm about to pop this baby out. But <laughs> I need to make it happen. And it's funny because the same client brought us two more churches just a little bit after that. He was very happy of working with us in the middle of the first project is still 
being ongoing because right now it's still ongoing believe me after all this time we're still working on it these are really big projects and it's just like a little bit of slow pace but I said yes and then you know Neil was late he was supposed to be born around December 20 and he was born on December 31st I'm gonna tell him that all the fireworks of your years if are for him moving forward <laughs> and then I had you know a week or two of grace of you know I just delivered a baby and everybody just leave me alone I did have one of my team members of Glow Architects kind of getting things moving for me but I wasn't really doing work myself I wasn't sitting in the computer and producing business I was just checking on emails here and there you know, answering phone calls, this or that. And that was the most, like if I was spending maybe two, three hours a day at the top in the business was like a lot because seriously, average was about an hour or so that I was spending, you know, per day. And it was like, whenever I got a little bit of change, I would like check emails, respond this or that, talk to my team members, what do you, you know, this or that. And that was it. The good thing is it was like a God scene at the same time because the project by the time I delivered the baby, got stalled for a couple of weeks at the same time because they were trying to figure something out with the site. So I was lucky enough to not have a crazy pressure on me of like, this needs to go out tomorrow. But it's like, you know, it's like the universe. <laughs> just, <laughs> yep. just kind of like everything worked out. And, and I think that's the main thing too, is like sometimes you can put so much pressure on yourself not knowing what's going to happen. But like, I feel like when you do things with your heart and the best intentions, it's just like things just kind of like get together in a way, you know, and I, I'm a film believer from my book. You should know Christian. I'm a huge believer. I have big, like a, my faith is everything to me. And I think that when you do things from your heart with good intentions, things tend to kind of like fall into place. And that's what happened. So with that being said, just so you understand what I was going through when I just had the baby, then you have all the other things of Nova is in a different stage. She was two years and a half when he was born. We were trying to potty train her, which which is a nightmare, potty training babies. I'm, I should write a book just about potty training somebody. It's like crazy. And then I have the baby and I knew so much from Nova's experience. It's like I felt just like how I felt when I came to the United States that I'm like, I have a business and I'm just going to bring my business to the you know, United States and practice there and it's going to be fine and we're going to be just fine. And then Neil was born and it's like, it was, it felt like that because Neil is completely different from Nova. It's not just that she is a girl and he is a boy. It's, I'm talking about he just doesn't eat as much as she did. She will eat whatever if like I always have had scenes with breastfeeding, like my milk supply is low or enough, let's say it that way. Like I know a lot of friends that have oversupplied and just have a bunch of breast milk and it's like not a problem for them. And it's like, that's never have been my case. I've, I've been obsessed about breastfeeding my baby since before I've ever had a baby. And this is like a hard work for me and everyday commitment. And then with Nova, whenever things were not working fine, like I got even friends, I talk about it in the book, that donated milk for me. Mm-hmm. And whenever that didn't work and I had to give her formula, she will take the formula. Well, guess what? Neo is not like that. That boy, <laughs> <laughs> that boy only takes fresh breast milk 
known frozen. I had a stash of frozen milk. He wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take any milk from anybody else. He wouldn't take formula. The fact that he wanted the fresh breast milk was the really challenging part because if you think about it, there is a system when you're able to pump milk and bottle feed your baby when you're a working mom. It's a system that works for a lot of working moms that want to breastfeed their babies. But if the baby doesn't want the milk, if it's not fresh, there is a problem. There's so much time this milk is going to be fresh until you have to freeze it, but he will then take it if it's frozen. Does that make sense? So I had to constantly be feeding him and constantly be pumping and constantly having some fresh milk available. Like we're having this podcast now and I have Mm -hmm. to pump myself right before to have a bottle for him. So my mother-in-law could feed him while I'm talking with you. Because I know that by now, 11.30, he's going to be hungry and he's going to need, you know what I'm saying? Like if he was in a different situation, someone else could just take, formula or a frozen bag of breast milk (laughs) and just sauce it put it in a bottle feed the baby that's not the case with Neil so my point is I'm just giving you one example of how different my babies have been and how I have to learn to navigate through that because at the same time of trying to figure this seeing that this baby is so picky such a picky eater in that matter I'm still the mom of Nova Mm-hmm. She still needs me. She has new needs every day. She has new challenges. She, she's, you know, she's trying to learn to do this and that. And we are the ones who have to help her with that. Uh, when she started school this year, she started BPK three. It was kind of like understanding how to navigate being away from home when she has been at home all this time, socializing and learning to play with other kids and being having new friends that are outside of the family sphere and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, just navigating all this while I'm still pumping and trying to feed this baby every, oh, because Nova will eat every three hours or so, three hours, three and a half hours, sometimes even four hours. And I'm talking about the age range, you know, like right. obviously this changes as she grew, but Neo will eat every two hours because the other thing he will do is Nova will eat five, six ounces at a time. And that will help her to be like really full for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, he just stops at three. He doesn't want more. He would shoot his mouth, shut his mouth and be like, no, I'm done, mom. And you try to feed him more. And he's like, no, I'm not eating more. What makes it harder because he's constantly eating. That guy is on a diet. He's not. <laughs> he's, <laughs> and he's so particular. And I, sorry that I'm going so, so deep into this, but it's the type of things that people don't realize that when you're talking about motherhood, it is a full-time commitment. Mm-hmm. on what is the need of this baby that you need to fulfill. And mm-hmm. it can look very different from this. It can be a child that is sick, for example. I'm very thankful and very fortunate that both of my kids are healthy. But the challenge can be different from what I'm explaining, right? You know, you can have challenges and the challenges can look very different, but it's like, it's a commitment that you have. You can't, you just have to figure it out. And to me it was the part of understanding what to do with both kids while at the same time and having three churches projects that are the biggest projects I've ever had that I just need to figure out and it was very challenging I had a lot of nights where I was like telling my husband like I don't want to breastfeed anymore I'm done with this and then I will look at my baby and I'm like I just this is something I just have to do. I It's important for me. There's a reason why for me breastfeeding is important. Mm-hmm. I think I always talk about that in general in 
even in the book is like you have to go back to your why why do you want a business why in my case breastfeeding is important for me for my kids like I have a reason why and when the hard part comes the challenges that the struggles hit you and hit you hard you have to go back to that because if not you're just gonna throw the towel and just kind of give up and I think that's what has kept me going with everything and finding ways to figure things out with me on his schedule and his pickiness is like I just we hired help to help me with him and I said I need a time to work and what I'm gonna do is the one thing that he needs from me exclusively is feeding because of how he is so I'm gonna feed him and then I'm gonna hand him to you mm-hmm. and you play with him you put him down you change him and then when you're gone then I take over and in charge for the rest of the day so mm-hmm. I got help from like 10 to 4 30 p.m and that was my time to work with the session of the time that I had to stop and feed him and that was it and it sounds and it sounds now it was hard it was hard but it it was a system that worked for us and the churches are going well the baby's healthy (laughs) and and nobody's happy so and it's that delegating like you mentioned in your book too is delegating not only in architecture do we delegate and you're giving it to your you know your employees your coworkers, consultants certain work but you also do that in motherhood and you realized you know you're like I need help and so now you're going to delegate and you knew for Neo he needs the milk but you can delegate the playtime, the changing to someone else so that you can be present in your business. And I think you highlight that so well, especially in your book, is the delegation and having and kind of going back to what we talked what you mentioned at the beginning of the episode is it's a team effort and you know, motherhood and architecture and we're collaborating and we're learning. And I think you also aren't being stubborn and you understand like I need help because I think sometimes people can be like, I can do it myself. Like I'm going to be a super mom, super architect, super everything. But knowing that, you know, it's okay. You can ask for help, which is and a You huge. can get really burnt out. Even if you take out motherhood of the picture, mm-hmm. if you are a person that feels that you have to be the one doing everything, every mm-hmm. time, even if you're not a mother and you are, just an architect, and I'm I'm gonna even escalate it even less. Let's say you don't even have a business, and you just have a very huge responsibility with a big company that you work for, and there's a lot of pressure on you. If you don't learn to kind of delegate and really understand this is what I'm good at and this is what I'm gonna focus on doing, and to the best of my abilities is what I'm trying to say, I can help on this way and knowing that if you spend the time doing this other scene, then it's going to be kind of like a waste of time for everybody, including yourself. Then until like that come to Jesus reality happens, people can be all over the place and get really burned out. I think the main scene is to learn about ourselves first and our limitations, our strength, how to take advantage the most of it by knowing that and kind of taking action based on that information that you know about yourself. I think that's what it is. I talk about this part of the book, in the book, sorry, about, you know, kind of like learning, having like self-awareness. And uh, the example I gave was when I was trying to put Nova down, 
at the end of the day, it was hard for me because I was like so tired and she needed to be like rock in a beat. And I was just like, I just need to go to sleep myself. And I was just so tired and I just wasn't good at having that level of patience that it was needed at that time of the day and what she needed. And I talked to my husband and delegated that to him. And I said, I am going to feed this baby. And then after this, I need you to put her down because I just can't do it. It was just temporary. I think I do clarify that in the book. It was temporary. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, I was putting Nova down for a long time after that. And it kind of stopped actually when I had the baby, because sometimes by the time she needed to be put down, I was feeding Neo, So I couldn't do it at the same time. I still put her down sometimes, but it's not like every day, like I used to, but the time that I'm talking in the book is the time when she was real little and like, she just needed to be rock. And I just don't agree with the system of like letting them cry to sleep. It just, it just breaks my heart. I just can't do it. And I needed a, a way to figure that things out. And see what happens is with Neil, he has something similar where he kind of needs help to, he doesn't fight it as much as her. He doesn't cry as much as her. He's, he's not like, thinking that he's like gonna die if he goes to sleep you know like his reaction is not like so dramatic as hers but he struggles to fall asleep too Mm -hmm. and and I think I've learned the same thing from Nova is like well how much energy do I have right now can I do this yes I can well fine I do it but if I don't then I say hey Jeremy I'd really need you to take over at this time and it's to me it's like okay it's like this might be an an example that many people will be like, oh, duh. I mean, he's your husband and he's the father of kid. And obviously like he needs to be a part of it. And I agree with that. Like, it's not like we as mom are the ones who have all the responsibility on kids. I, I, like, I get that. But I'm just saying it's the fact of me saying, me coming from me saying, I need you to mm-hmm. take over. Like me accepting that I cannot handle this part myself because this is or that. And that's what, you know, with everything else, with the business and with architecture. And as I was saying, if you escalate back of no business, no motherhood, but having a big project in a big company, you kind of have to tell yourself, like, this is what I do best. And this is what someone else needs to take care of. So we all are in the same page and we all kind of move forward with this project. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I'm curious, how do you you know, you just talked about when you don't have the energy to put Nova to sleep or anything. What do you do to help refill your like cup with energy after a long day? Or what are, do you have any rituals or things that you do that really help you refuel? There's a couple of things and it's hard. Uh, I think it has been harder with Neil after Neil was born because the time, the free time available is less. I do agree that one of the things that whenever I'm not able to do, I can tell for a fact that it just like my day goes just crazy. It's like I always need to be able to have some time before both of them wake up for myself. That's the most important thing for me. And sometimes it's hard to do it because like if you go to sleep late and you have to like do stuff late, I have to work sometimes at night because I don't get so much time during the day to do stuff. So I have to wait until they are both get some extra hours of work and then kind of go to sleep. So I don't get to go to sleep ideally at like 8 or 9 p.m. You know, most of the time I'm going to sleep around 12.30 a.m. to sometimes even 1 a.m. So my right now, my time to sleep is short, which again, one of the things I keep saying is 
remember this is temporary because things just get better as time pass and that time of like that span let's say it, it it gets bigger and bigger and it gets better and better right but what I do is one is getting as much as possible up before them so I know Neo has been waking up around 8 30 and I try to be up at least at 6 30 a.m if I can there's some times where I can because I went to sleep too late and I you know kind of sleep over and it's like 7 a.m I'm still in bed which is late for some people but like if you think about my schedule you know, that's actually pretty early. And then I get at, at least half an hour to an hour for myself. And I take a shower. I don't do really like meditation, but like I did a lot of yoga and stretching exercises when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's the one thing it transfers to now. I just keep doing that. It really helps me to help me to relax a little bit, to kind of stretch my body, to start a day in the, with the right food. And then I just like to do things like, getting my hair done and makeup mm-hmm. and just things like that. And it's silly because for many people, that's not important. Many women don't even need it. They are just feel and are beautiful with no makeup. I just love makeup. And I it's like one of those things that I feel like I'm pampering myself if I do my hair and do makeup. And I think it's what works best for you. At the end of the day too, sometimes I, I get to spend some time with my husband, like we have dinner and we put the kids down and we talk about things and we try to choose like something. That's one thing we're doing now. Like we choose one show or one movie or something to watch and we spend like half an hour if we can. It doesn't have to be every night, but like we spend some time doing some silly stuff that takes our minds off Mm -hmm. work and responsibilities and this and that and he loved reading books. I love reading books. And so we can either read books or whatever. And we just try to do something that we both are doing in a way together. And then after that, we just find ways to sleep and get some rest, you know, just kind of that. In a normal situation, when Nova kind of grew up more and I had way more time than now for myself, I started doing yoga in a class, like a formal class, mm-hmm. not at home. I was going to the gym, you know, just working out. And if I couldn't go to the gym, I will go and take walks outside, outdoors. I like it more than even doing it like with a treadmill inside of a, you know, inside. Like it's just kind of better and nicer to like breathe natural air and kind of see trees and whatever, kind of being in contact with nature. So that's one of the things that I do too. Like I go out and take a walk and even if it's like 50 minutes, 20 minutes walk. And while I do that, I love to listen to podcasts. A lot of people when they're working out or whatever, like to, you know, listen to music that pumps them out and da da da. Well, it really was super helpful for me just listening to podcasts as I was, you know, even through my pregnancy and afterwards. So whenever I'm doing any type of exercise, even if it's just walking outside, I just listen to podcasts and that really helps me too. It's, I think it's a way at the same time to either learn something new, stay current with certain things and trends, uh, listening to what's going on, uh, stay connected with people and just take my mind off things. I think it's whatever works for the person. There's people that just need to take a trip to the beach every weekend. I mm-hmm. wish I could do that. But like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's mm-hmm. whatever works for you is what you need to do. No, no, that make, that makes that makes sense to really hone in on whatever makes you feel like you and allows you to clear your head as well. 
the thing is, sorry, before we go to the next question is, I think with, especially with architecture, with motherhood, you, you feel it a little bit, like you feel like you're wired 24-7, you're responsible of these children 24-7, right? You're their mom. So you're never really, you don't really disconnect, right, from mm -hmm. that responsibility. But there are times where you get to do it, especially if they're napping or, or sleeping for the night or whatever. Like you get some time or if somebody else is taking care of them, you're able to kind of like disconnect, right? But with architecture, I think that happens a lot to us. Again, take out motherhood out of, take mm -hmm. it out of the picture. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but like that, that happened a lot to me. Like I had my job before, right? Mm -hmm. Before low architects and I will come home and I will still be thinking of this one project I was working on and like thinking of like, if there was this thing I missed and this know that I was supposed to do and like taking us, like, remember doing this tomorrow, da, 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 to do list, da, da, da. And I feel like there is this part where like, we are always wired because like, we're so passionate about, you know, architecture and what we do. We love, we love doing this. And sometimes it's really hard to unplug if even more, if you are a business owner. Because yes. it's your baby, it's your business, it's your responsibility, it's your name on the line. And it's really hard to unplug. And I think that can make you, I feel like it gets to a point where you can get kind of sick of it. Like it's just, it's overwhelming. It's, you can really get burned out. And, and I feel like it is important that you find ways to disconnect because mm -hmm. like you need a break, like you need to recharge. You need to kind of find time for yourself and just do something that, takes your mind out of it. Even if watching the movies, what makes your mind disconnect, then that's what you need to do. Because I feel like we're constantly, constantly just connected and mm -hmm. wired to whatever it is we're doing. And it's really hard on us, I feel. It is. I think architecture is all encompassing. Like you said, I completely similar thoughts with you is I come, you know, I used to work at a firm. I now work, I started working for myself a few months ago. And even That's before that, nice. yeah, thank you. Thank you. So you are a huge inspiration because I know motherhood is the next chapter for me. So <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I wanted you on too. I need to pick your brain on advice and, and everything, but it's architecture is so encompassing. And I completely agree is sometimes I'll tell my husband, I'm like, I wish there was just an on and off switch for my brain where I could just turn off and not think about next project or what how the meeting went or next week's meeting or what the drawings are doing. But it is true. I, so I meditate and I do yoga and that's kind of where I am able to turn everything off. But it's so important to have that. And so that kind of maybe answers the question I was going to ask next is, you know, what is your advice for someone who is in the midst of even either they have their own architecture firm or they are in architecture and now have motherhood incorporated into their life and are struggling? Struggling. So that's the question. What is the advice if they're struggling? Mm -hmm. I think before anything is, if they're struggling is because something is not working maybe as they expected to or, or as they needed to. So something needs to be fixed, right? I think that's the good person. So something needs to be fixed. And I think as you figure that out, the first thing is understanding that you need to kind of put yourself some grace. You kind of need to understand that you're just a human being. You're doing the best you can. And I think as architects and as mothers and women in general, we 
to me, sometimes we tend to take a lot on our shoulders. We tend to really, really feel that we need to take care of a lot of things because things might not be done right if we don't do it ourselves. I think when someone is struggling, the first thing to do is understanding that it's okay not being okay. And then sit and think about what are the things that are not working okay? What are the things you're struggling with and what can you do about it? Because to me, that's the first thing to take action. Mm-hmm. Is, is it that you're not getting enough sleep? I don't know. I'm just bringing a quick example mm-hmm. of that new parents struggle. So if the lack of sleep is not letting you work and perform because you're always tired, what can you do about about it? Because some something's got to give. Something needs to be fixed for you to be able to obviously perform in your job or your business at the same time perform as a mom. Like you can't be all the time just tired and sleep deprived and expect that your body and your brain are going to respond as you've had eight, nine hours of sleep. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like you kind of need to be realistic about what's going on and sit and find a solution for it. And like sometimes we can miss the spot on what is it that is really not working. And then we focus on other scenes and try to fit, fix other scenes when the one thing that is really not working is this one scene. So if it's, you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with is find what it is for real, get to the bottom of it and then sit and think of, how can I solve this? Most of the time, the answer is, who can help me with this one problem? Who can I delegate this one thing to allow me to do that? What other things can I compromise with? I think the other thing is understanding that sometimes if the expectation is like too far from reality, then it really puts a lot of pressure on us. So to give you an example is if I... If I will think that I could do this that I'm doing with the three churches and Neo being so picky and, and Nova at the age that she's at being a toddler and all that is, and I will think that I can take on the three churches and do the production myself, then I will be setting expectations that are unrealistic on me because it is just impossible. Like I take responsibility on this project on overseeing everything that is being done. And I do the life safety myself because that's a big deal, obviously. And then I double check all the details and all the stuff. But there's a lot of part of the production that my team takes care of that I only oversee after this done and I redline. And But if I will say that I have to be the one doing it, sitting in the computer and spending two, two, three, four hours on creating this one scene in the model in Revit, which is what we use, then then I'm setting myself for failure mm-hmm. because I know for a fact I don't have a way to spend this amount of hours together. That's another thing to think about when you're a mother and when you have the business and this dynamic that you need to kind of like dance when they're little. And I'm talking about like the first years of their lives, right? Because again, right. as they grow, things get easier and more normal and manageable I don't know if you're like me but when I am producing anything in architecture most of the time it takes me a little bit to get to the point where I'm like running Mm -hmm. not everybody's like that 
But when I sit in the computer, if I am designing or producing something, the first like 20 minutes, I'm like, like, it's like my brain is getting there. Like I'm kind of remembering where I was in the project and setting mm-hmm. up things, maybe not 20 minutes, maybe, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but there is a time where I'm not like running with whatever I'm doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, It's not like an instant, it's that back to that on and off switch. All of a sudden yeah. on and I can be in architecture mode and not or not mother mode or something like that when yeah. you're transitioning. Mm-hmm. But it takes me it takes me a little bit to be like deep on like finding solutions and da 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 and like kind of running. When I said running, it's like you're kind of go, go, go. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I got this and this is what I'm gonna do. It doesn't happen like like that. It takes me a little bit to get there. And when you think about if I am being interrupted about every two hours or an hour and a half of time, then I'm really having maybe an hour of go, 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 because there is a part of that time where I'm kind of getting there. I'm still being productive. I'm still working, but it's not like that laser focus, Mm -hmm. very, very productive, whatever. And I think that applies to older careers. Like when you get interrupted, it takes you a little bit of time to get back to that point, right? Mm -hmm. So my point is, if that is the nature of things, in me at least, I cannot expect to be so productive with all this production because I know that I'm going to be in, interrupted every about every two hours or so. And my capacity of being go, go, go is about an hour then total. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I mm-hmm. need to be realistic about that situation. So being honest, when I used to work for a you know, a company or even with Glow and Nova was older and I was able to spend a lot of time in the computer after she was a little older, I sometimes will need to spend like three hours straight or something like that to get like a really good amount of work and production done and a lot of things on the plans. And you know what I'm saying? Like just Mm -hmm. a lot of work done, just like straight three hours where I will stand up and just use the bathroom, drink some water, go back to work, boom, 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 boom. I don't get that right now. It's just not my reality. It's going to be my reality later. It's not right now. And it was before, but it's not right now. So what can I do about it? And my solution is I have somebody doing it for me mm-hmm. because there's so much I can do right now. And what I do is important and nobody else can do it. But it came to the situation that I said with Neo is what is the one thing that nobody else can do for me? And it's breastfeed that baby because mm-hmm. it's are attached to my body. So I have, to, <laughs> I have to breastfeed him no matter what, right? right it's the right. same with the projects. It's what is it that comes to you that only you can do. And then the rest, how can you find help? Can you lose a little bit of money and then get it done with somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know, like, can you have like a virtual person that can help you can you Mm -hmm. delegate that way what is it Mm -hmm. or can you get somebody to help you with the baby and then you get those two three hours straight that what is it that you can do that can change and I think going back to the question if you're struggling and you are a mother and you are an architect whatever it is business owner or not what is the problem what's the problem and what can you do about it it's Mm -hmm. always come down to that it's it's kind of being realistic about what is it the real problem, not everything around that is 
the real problem, the root of the problem. What is it and how can you fix it or get help with it, better said. And I think also what you've said too is it's temporary. It's temporary, whatever you're going through. It's, I think, even in motherhood and then even in during a project, you may not like a certain part of the phase of a project, but it's temporary because you're, you know, maybe you don't like, you know, reviewing structural drawings or something. You know, that's just an example. Well, you're only going to do this for a little bit. It's temporary. And then you're going to be able to do the fun stuff, whatever it is you like to do. So I think. And then you got, you, you have a great point because like with the projects you're going through phases too, mm-hmm. and there's parts that are painful that you don't mm-hmm. like to do and you have to do it anyways. But again, it's temporary. And also too is, do you have to do it alone? If nobody else can help you to do it for you, but you have to be the one doing it because for some reason you don't get somebody to do it. Do you have to do it alone? Can you have someone that you consult mm-hmm. that helps you figure out faster and sooner? What resources are around you? What rep can you call? What engineer can you call? What other architect friend of yours that have worked in that same type of projects can you call and say, I have this one scene and I mm-hmm. feel stuck mm-hmm. in this one part and I don't know how to figure out what do you have for me? Help me. There's so many ways to find mentors. I mentioned a couple, engineers, mm-hmm. reps, architects. Use those resources. Use them because they are there for us. And we need, we need sometimes, again, it's the part of, do you have to do it on your own? Most of the time, the answer is no. I think I can give you an example how that applied even on motherhood, but I will go even to labor, especially mm-hmm. because I did this natural labor with no medications, no epidural, no nothing. And I had Neo actually at home, which you will think like, oh my God, Gloria's crazy. <laughs> no, a baby not at, at all. <laughs> Having a baby no. at home. Let me tell you, it was the best experience ever. It was magical. It was everything I dream of. Mm-hmm. But when you're having the contractions, surges, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. one of the things I learned, I took this hypnobirthing class, whatever, to prepare myself for it. And mm-hmm. they taught me of, all I think when you're having the contractions is, I can do everything for one minute. I can do everything for one minute. This is one minute of pain. It's going to go away. And then it's going to come back again. It's like a wave. And right. then if you can resist for one minute, then you're going to be fine. And then it goes again. It's one minute. And then it goes down. It sounds easy in theory, but it's really hard. Because when you are in the middle of that minute and you're about at 30 seconds of that one contraction, it can be really hard, really challenging. And then all the tools comes together because mm-hmm. when I was preparing myself for this, I learned of, okay, so what are the things I can do to help me manage the pain? What things can I do to get help from others when I need to manage the pain? It's only one minute. Yes, it's not forever. It's temporary. But while I am in the middle of it, do I have to do it by myself or there's things I can do to help myself and to let mm-hmm. others help? There is an answer for that. And the answer is yes, because I learned about breathing techniques that really helped me manage so much of the whole process and the pain. And then I hired a doula to help me do counter pressure. My husband was doing it too. She was doing it. And whenever I had a contraction, they pushed against my back, helped me with the pain. And the minute felt a lot less. A lot less. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, you will think like, what does this have anything to do with architecture? It's the same thing. You're doing structural stuff and trying to figure out something. And it's like, do you have to figure 
like you are the one who have to do it. You have to do this life safety plan that you might not be too familiar with this type of part of the codes in your area with this type of project. Mm -hmm. But can you call the agent having jurisdiction and ask this person questions because you're not sure of what's going on? Do you have another architect, again, that you can call? Do you have an engineer that can help you understand what's going on with this part of the code that you are not so familiar with? Do you have to do it alone? No. Does it gonna last forever? No. Can you count on others to do it? Yes. Is there techniques that you can apply to this situation that will help you get through it? Yes. I think, again, I always compare this home scene with motherhood and architecture, and it's like, it's so side to side in my in my head. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for coming on from the Honeycomb podcast and sharing your knowledge of being a mother, architect, businesswoman. It has been such a great conversation. I have really, really enjoyed talking to you and having read your book and now talking to you. You really are an inspiration. You're someone I really admire. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. And one thing that I want to say before we go is mm -hmm. I talk about these to many people. I talk about it in my book. You know, I mentor a lot of people who are immigrants too. It's not just the motherhood part, but mm -hmm. A lot of people have asked me, like, if there's one thing I will have changed now that I know what I know, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe this is an advice for women that might be in my pos in the position I was back in 2019 and before that is if I will have changed something about my journey with motherhood and architecture and all that. And I think maybe, maybe not, but I will say that if what's stopping anybody that might be listening to this podcast on starting their motherhood journey is fear and how this is going to affect their career, their business, how their presence and their involvement with architecture is going to be affected maybe negatively, how this is going to set them back. I think that then what you should do is go for it and forget about it because all of that is always in our heads. I feel that becoming a mother have has made me a better architect. It has really helped me on being very structured, very organized, way more efficient with my time and just more caring in a way. It really, it just transforms me in a way that is hard to explain with words, but into words, it's just hard for me. But I think the only thing that motherhood is going to do to you, listener, is mm -hmm. make you even a better architect. So mm -hmm. to me, it's like, don't delay it for fear. If there's other reasons why you have to delay it, that's fine. But don't do it because you think that this is going to set you back. I truly, truly believe that as long as you're mindful that you don't have to do it alone, that you have to organize yourself and use resources and delegate things and kind of like understand what your priorities are and kind of go with that. Learn about yourself, have self-awareness and just get it done. Like you can do this. If you are able to get through architecture school, and yeah. then the air is, let me tell you, you can do anything in this life. So that is kind of my last thing to close is just don't delay it for fear because 
we can really figure this out. We can be all, we can be architects, we can be mothers, we can be leaders, we can be business owners. We are so resilient. And we women, we are just incredible. We are incredible. We truly are. We are. No, I know. It's, I feel good, be, great being a woman. I think I, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's so empowering for sure. Well, yeah. Gloria, thank you again. And where can listeners find you? Everywhere. If you yeah. Google my name, you will find me <laughs> anywhere. But I am in uh, most of the social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, even Twitter, that now it's X. But I am not too good at checking on LinkedIn messages because I get a lot of like reps and kind of other type of people contacting me. So if you really want to contact me and get me the fastest, I will say that either Instagram or Facebook are the best ways to do it, especially Instagram. I'm pretty active in Instagram versus Facebook. For Facebook, I'm I'm active for the foreign architect group that I have where, where I mentor immigrants. But it's beyond that, I think like what you did, I think you found me. We talk connected mm-hmm. through Instagram. It's the best way. It is the fastest way. So for all of the platforms, the handle is always Gloria Clutter. So if you type my name, you will find me somewhere. And um, the other way too is like you can send me an email. It's just Gloria at GlowArchitects.com. It's pretty easy. So anything like that, I'm always available and pretty open even to like be on a call if anybody needs anything, um, especially immigrants. I mentor so many that that's kind of like the way it has to kind of be for me. Just just kind of get connected through sometimes WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook or whatever emails. So anywhere. There's many options. (laughs) Perfect. And I'll provide all the links in the show notes. Gloria, thank you so much. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. As we conclude, I want to express my gratitude for joining me in today's episode. I hope you have found it insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and click that like button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to share this with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast, and you can also further your support of From the Honeycomb by visiting the patron link provided in the show notes. Your contribution helps make more episodes possible. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my monthly newsletter, A Spark of Positive Energy, that comes out on the 7th of each month. Thank you so much, and see you next Friday.